McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus... Don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's the McGregor versus Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code TBPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN. P-N, to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Cast, episode 618. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will answer different off-season questions from Spurs fans. Let's go to get started. Colin, how have you been? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well myself. You know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of questions here I asked on, on Twitter recently. Um, and actually, I asked pretty late. It was almost like close to 1 a.m. And I just asked if you have any questions, you know, to send them, send them to us because there hasn't been a lot of Spurs news this past uh, week since I last recorded. And sure enough, I got like a bunch by the next morning. So, <laughs> so thank you all for those of you that, that did respond. And so we're going to address a lot of these questions here. All right. So before we begin, Colin, with the questions, let's first begin with the latest news uh, concerning the Spurs. Um, let's first begin with Kelton Johnson. Um, he was named recently to the 2021 um, USA Select Team. Uh, so they're going to be participating in Las Vegas with, with Team USA uh, from July 6th through 9th. And, and Kelton, he's going to be... Um, you know, coached by Eric Spolster of the Miami Heat, and he's going to be going against in those practices and scrimmages against his own coach, Coach Pop, for the Spurs and Team USA. Uh, and then the other bit of news is that uh, this is actually not really breaking, but it's it's kind of another report that we've seen here is that Will Hardy, the, the current Spurs assistant coach, he's going to be probably joining the Boston Celtics um, as a lead assistant coach to Ime Udoka, who was a former Spurs coach and, and player uh, per the Boston Globe. And there's other, there's been other reporting as well. So it's not official yet that, that Will Hardy is leaving to Boston, but there's numerous reports now that we've seen that this is going to happen pretty soon. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what, whatever um, whatever your response wants to be, Keldon, I mean, not Keldon, no, Colin, on either Keldon or, or, or Will Hardy, go ahead. Take a yes. So quick thoughts on both. Um, you know, first on kind of Calvin Johnson getting this role. I think that's great for him. I think that we've seen uh, players. Obviously, this is much more limited than the examples I'm about to give. But, you know, like Steph Curry, James Harden having breakout seasons after competing for uh, the uh, Team USA in the FIBA World Cup. I think that, you know, the Spurs are a well-run organization. They've had a good track record of developing talent. Obviously, Greg Popovich is considered one of the greatest coaches of all times. However, I do think that playing in different environments with a different team with under a different coach, I think all of that, just having a different range of experiences can be really good for anyone in a competitive environment. 
and you know it's not going to be you know it's three days <laughs> yeah. but i do mm-hmm. think that that experience is a positive one where you're playing for a different coach who has a different style of coaching and who does things a little bit differently but is also a very good coach and you're you're playing against some of the best players in the world i think that can only be a positive experience you know i don't want to overstate how how much i guess four days um w- can change someone's career but i do think that that's that's only a positive experience for him just given the circumstance and then mm-hmm. you know it's interesting because will hardy um was kind of the other of the three like lead assistants from two years ago and was there last year and and so i think this is really setting it up for if pop does retire in the off season that I, i'm guessing that becky hammond is going to be kind of the natural uh, front runner for the Spurs' next head coaching job, um, if that were to come. Okay, yeah. So no, no, no that's, that's some good points there. And um, you know, just for I, I don't know, if we're, I don't know if they're actually going to do like a scrimmage where we can actually watch them on TV. The, the uh, select team going back to Kelden, but I am interested to see, you know, if, if we get any kind of visual here where where Coach Spo puts him in, in terms of like, because I, I know like with the Spurs they put him as, as basically like a four uh, mm-hmm. this past season. But I want to see, you know, where does Coach Spo think that, that he should play? And plus with all the different teammates, like you mentioned, you know, my, he might have a different role here. Uh, and then yeah, like this is a really good chance for him to just kind of compete and see what he can do uh, um, against you know T- Team USA here in, in some of those scrimmages or practices and then uh yeah just like you mentioned on coach hardy you know that spurs could end up having um you know another vacancy here now we don't know if they're going to uh, bring someone up from within the organization or maybe they're gonna have to start looking again for another outside uh, um assistant coach if, that, if that's going to be one because it's only you know becky hammond will hardy and mitch johnson or coach pops three three assistants right there on the bench with him so we'll see if somebody gets promoted or if they hire from outside the organization so yeah that's, that's something interesting to, to watch with uh, this latest news about will hardy all right so now let's, let's go and jump right into these questions because we do have a lot of them and, and thank you all again for, for sending them uh colin i have we have two categories for these questions we have more of the open uh, you know the what i'm calling these open-ended questions these are more so like our opinion you know there's no definitive kind of research or numbers that we got to really dig up for these kind of questions and then the second part of our questions we're going to be they're going to be more research-based where there might be some stats thrown involved um some some cap projections and things like that so so let's first begin with the open-ended questions okay uh our first one um says uh they ask uh, should the spurs pursue a dedicated point guard instead of a of combo guards in order to facilitate a more structured offense. What are your, what's your thoughts there? So I think that kind of one of the things that I've really gotten into recently when I'm looking at team building is kind of the idea of someone who can initiate the offense, someone who can play make for himself and others. Really the Spurs have that right now in DeMar DeRozan um, and kind of, if you just look at the playmaking stats for the most recent season, kind of the only one who is, even in that same stratosphere, uh, was DeJounte Murray. And he's he's made huge strides, Murray has, as a playmaker. But, you know, he's still definitely not to the level of someone like DeRozan is. So mm-hmm. if, he, if he leaves, I think bringing in a point guard who is more playmaking for himself and other focused would be really good. I think if, if DeRozan stays, I think kind of the combo guard, the kind of point guard who can, like, run the offense, but you know, maybe is good at shooting and defense. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry is probably out of the Spurs reach because he probably wants to go in a championship, but that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the point guard I'm thinking of in that situation. You know, someone who can run the offense, but also is just as good uh, at just being kind of a good, solid defensive point guard and can uh, hit spot up threes. But if, if DeMar DeRozan does decide to leave, I think getting a playmaker at whatever position is going to be very important. And I think, you know, that the easiest position to find that is generally going to be point guard. So I think that's one of those kind of we'll have to wait and see uh, based on what happens with DeRozan. But if DeRozan does leave, I think 
finding a player who can kind of take on that role as lead playmaker would be very important for the Spurs to have a um, any sort of <laughs> functioning offense next year. Yeah, so for my response from this one, you know, it, it's tough to, to, to answer just because, again, we don't know the situation, what's going to happen with DeRozan this offseason. But I would just say, you know, the Spurs got to figure out who is their best player. And then from there, you kind of build around, you know, what a dedicated kind of point guard would be best for, the, for that player next to that next to, to, to that player. And since we don't know who that best player is right now, if DeRozan leaves, well, then I, I just think that you still you still go with, you know, letting Derek and, and DeJounte kind of sh- share those duties now if DeRozan were to leave. Also, you know, guys like Lonnie Walker, the fourth off the bench, and also Keldon Johnson kind of just seeing who ends up being like that, you know, that alpha, the player that, that they go to and again they're still free agency so they can end up signing somebody as well to add to this team or, or trade for someone so yeah I, I guess I guess from my response it's more so finding out who's your best player first before you know you know just specifically looking for a dedicated point guard um, our next question uh, is um, do you think it's time for the Spurs to go all in on getting a star player or should they just keep staying conservative in their approach to building a team so I think I, I really think this is very dependent on the star that's available, you know, like let's say if Bradley Beal requests a trade and the Spurs make a short list of teams that he's okay with going to, you know, I think that we've seen in Washington that while Bradley Beal is a very talented player, maybe he's not one who on his own can lift a team up to a championship contending level. And while the Spurs do have some great pieces that would be like phenomenal rotation players on a championship team if they were surrounded by like you know the right number one and number two I think they would need more than just one star player on the roster to kind of lift them to a contention level and so is it the right time really depends on who's available you know if if it is like a, a Bradley Beal then maybe that's not quite the right level if if there is a player who you know if Giannis didn't sign a supermax and and he was like oh you know my favorite coach in the league is Coach Pop. I would really like to go to San Antonio. That that would be one that I think that you would consider really pushing the timetable for. But I, I think it really depends on which quote-unquote star is available. Um, I think that there is something to be said for maybe getting that number two star while you're developing other players and then maybe seeing if you can get that number one star either through your own development or through another trade or free agency down the road. But that is a little bit risky just in terms of you don't want to get stuck at the like the number five or the six spot and then never sign that next player. And then all of a sudden your youth movement is kind of over. So I, I think as terrible as an answer as it depends is, it really is it depends on kind of who becomes available and then kind of what the landscape is for if you are – Sign, or if you're trading for a player who's really going to be that number two, you have to have an idea for what that number one is going to be. Because if you trade for that number two, when you have no idea for what's next, then I think you're signing yourself up for kind of just being a middle rung playoff team with no real way out of that. Yeah, my, my my response is kind of right there with you too. I, I just I feel like more so, um, you know, kind of waiting and seeing, uh, you know, while still building, you know, very conservatively, uh, just letting these young guys develop into into the best players that they can be at at the same time. And so, if you're going to trade for a star, you know, again, I think it's going to have to be through a trade. I don't think that they're ever going to sign like an all star, you know, currently in his prime or like, you know, an all NBA level player through free agency. I think it would have to be through trade. And again, the difficult part is that you have to get a player who's like, you know, wants to. Th- th- those players, the, the elite players, they want to win a championship right now. You know, this roster is just not quite built there at, at that 
that stage just right now. So I would say also like looking at a star who's like disgruntled or it's not working out in, in their situation, but it's still kind of young. And so we're going to talk about a player here in a little bit who we got a lot of questions about. Oh, actually, two players. So, so I think that they, they'll kind of answer this question for us a little bit when we get to them. But if not, you know, again, con- continue to be a little bit, um, you know, just uh, more methodical in terms of letting your young guys, Dejounte, uh, you know, uh, uh, Derek White, uh, um, Pirtle, uh, Lucas Simonich, all these young players, Devin Vassell, letting them just continue to grow if there's not quite a star just there right now. And again, you know, because like, you know, even if you trade for one star, that's not really, it might get you a playoff team, yes, but again, we don't know exactly who that player is and we don't know what, you know, aside from the, those elite players, we don't know that that player is going to make you a top five team or a top four team that's going to get you, you know, to the conference finals or anything like that. So again, I'm just kind of waiting and seeing. Our next question is, um, it seemed like Lonnie Walker the fourth had some of his better moments in times when DeMar DeRozan was out and he maybe didn't have to think about deferring as much. Do you think he could step into a playmaker slash scorer role if DeRozan leaves? What's your thoughts there? You know, I think that there is a difference um, between a player kind of being able to handle the load while a player is out for, you know, stretches <laughs> versus kind of being the number one guy for an 82-game season. I think that that was kind of the big surprise um, with kind of the Jeremy Grant experience in Detroit this past year. And even even though, like, that was such a great story to start the year, that even kind of tapered off near the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, you know, as as kind of cliche as it is, it really is hard to be a number one guy in the NBA night in and night out, and now teams are scouting you, and, like, your best move is always going to be well defended by the other team because they know what your best move is, so you have to have your third best move ready to go, or else you're just not going to score on that possession. And it's just really, really hard. And is Lonnie Walker incapable of getting there? No, but I do think that would be a several season adjustment if the Spurs said, hey, we're putting the ball in your hands and you're our number one go-to guy. I do not think that would be a overnight, all of a sudden he can do it thing. You know, absolutely, he, he might have the ability to get there. It would just be a matter of, you know, next season might be a little bit rough if that's where they decide to go. And I, and I don't honestly think that's where they're going to go there. We don't really have a track record of the Spurs doing that. And we don't really have a lot of history of, of with Lonnie Walker of them maybe feeling like they can just give him the ball and say, go to work. Um, so I think that they're going to try to supplement this team with another playmaker, whether that's someone who can create shots for themselves or for others. If DeMar DeRozan does decide to leave, they have a couple of kind of secondary playmakers on the roster. But I really you know, think if DeMar leaves, they don't have that primary one. And I, while I think that there are several players on the roster who could develop into that, I think that that doesn't help much for next season. So I think that they, they in free agency will be looking for a primary playmaker and it won't be someone who's currently on the roster if DeRozan does leave. Okay, yeah, my my response there is, you know, it, it, the, the, even if DeRozan leaves, Dejounte and Derek White are still there. So I don't think, like you said, I don't think he would he would leap leap over them and become like the number one pl- playmaker for them. I think either they would still have maybe start or maybe come off the bench, like in what they were doing. They want to hit that aggressive scoring attack from Lonnie off the bench, and he he went through a string there uh, during the, um, the the season where he he did good for about a week or two, where he was like really becoming a primary scorer off the bench. But again, I I just think with him having still to share the, the floor with Dejounte and Derek White in different lineups, uh, they, it, they're still going to be the primary playmakers over him and so he kind of has to figure out you know unless he like starts showing that he's getting better like you know running pick and roll um, executing the half court on his own then maybe that he, he starts getting more possessions ahead of them in terms of, of running the, the offense but again right now I doubt it just because of who else is on the floor with him but he will have more opportunity for sure to try to become a playmaker score um, uh, increased role there if DeRozan leaves 
All right, our next question um, is um, uh, letting Patty Mills is letting Patty Mills walk uh, good for Devin Vassell and other young players? Yes or no? And I, I do want to mention so, some salary projections here. So so according to Profit X, who we've been working with at Project Spurs, um, Patty Mills is projected to get about ten point nine million to about fourteen million in uh, in free agency this coming off season. I do want to say that Profit X is a dynamic financial and performance index powered by artificial intelligence with front office optics displaying seventeen visual and time series models for four hundred eighty plus NBA athletes. The Athletex models historical, dynamic, and future performance performance data to monitor and project insights on contracts, performance, injuries, team fit, development, and potential. You can follow them on Twitter at, at ProfitXAI and also on Instagram. So Colin, Patty's projected to get about 10.9 to 14 million in free agency. Um, do you think it's a good idea if he, if he, if he leaves or he returns? What, what are your thoughts there? So I, I, you know, I don't know if Patty staying or returning has a direct influence on Devin Vassell. Um, I think that, you know, if they, if they draft another guard in the, the draft it, who's you know nba ready right off the top i mean i guess so trey jones kind of fits mm-hmm. that right so so there there are players who i think could be blocked by patty mills if he still was the third guard in the rotation um if he comes back i don't know if that's necessarily the case i think that we talked about this last time i was on you know that that projection that that you just kind of listed is maybe not what I would be super comfortable with. And another team might, you know, and if that's the case, mm-hmm. then there might be a hard question there. But I think that if the Spurs can uh, and, and Patty can come to an agreement on the room exception and he's going to be primarily a mentor role, he's going to be kind of a third string guard, but breaking case of emergency, if there's injuries, he can kind of just plug and play. You know, he very much did that in the bubble, which mm-hmm. is only eight games. Who knows if he's willing to do that for a whole season? But I think that if he had that role, that would be a wonderful role for him. I think that he loves the city. I think he loves the organization. And I think that that would be a role that he would find a lot of kind of fulfillment in but if he decides that you know he wants to spend the end of his nba career like playing and making money i think that's a very valid choice as well and if if that's the decision he makes then i think there's probably a better fit for him than the spurs right now but i I do think that you know if if he can come to a place where he's willing to accept the room exception and more of a mentor role and kind of a he'll play if there's injuries or if it's a blowout kind of role then i think that he's a great fit for the team still Okay, so yeah, so so I'm kind of with you there. Where I, I just don't think that he's ready there. I mean, because he had a good season, except for like you know toward the end there, the last two months when he really just slowed down because he was just it looked like he was just exhausted. But you know, he was still a very um, you know impactful player at those first you know three three or four months of the season before he really started going downhill with with, with his energy level. Um, so so I really feel like that's going to be where, where he's going to look to see if it can a team you know add him uh, whether he's, he's going to get that amount that, that that it looks like he's he's projected to get it out of free agency or maybe he has to settle for less, maybe like the like the like the mid level exception from a different team like a playoff type team uh so, so that's something so i i do feel like if he re- if he returns unless he's willing to do that you know sacrifice to, to, at a lesser role which i don't think he is quite there yet in his career then again i, I just think that for, it's better if he moves on that way the younger players could get um you know that more opportunity and so that's like trey jones could be the, 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 maybe like the backup your primary backup point guard so he can develop but a big uh, question though for the spurs though is that let's just say they do let patty leave well they have a lot you know they have to a lot he has they have a lot of responsibility now to fill his his, his uh, gap of losing a lot of three-point shooting he was our number one three-point Point maker and shot, and shot taker for this team, and so again, uh, you know, you're you're losing a, a huge chunk of your three point offense right there if if they let Patty walk, and so they have to use free agency or trades or some way to, to kind of have a plunge that or get the younger guys to develop. So again, even though Patty, uh, it's probably best for the young players if Patty leaves. Again, there's a lot of um, then they're going to have a lot of responsibility to make up for that for that missing three point shooting on this team. All right, our next question is: uh, With the big money pockets now part of Spurs' new ownership, will we see a a less conservative approach towards signing expensive players or making trades for pricey talent? 
So, you know, this offseason will be interesting just because of the cap flexibility that the Spurs will have, especially if DeRozan leaves. So I think that this offseason could look like, whoa, the Spurs are willing to spend because, you know, they're going to have, you know, 50 million or so in cap space and they're yeah. kind of just going to have to spend. But, you know, look, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot of the history of kind of the new ownership situation and yeah. this deeper mm-hmm. pockets. I honestly can't say that I understand that very much. However, if I were an owner, even if I had all of the money in the world, I don't know if I would want to pay the luxury tax for a team that's not like at least in the ballpark of competing for a championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I really think that the Spurs have to show that they're kind of in that level before they do. And I think they have a ways to get there. I think that, you know, they maybe have some pieces that look like they can contribute to that kind of run, but, but they're still kind of a ways away from being at that level. And, and so for me, uh, I know I wouldn't be comfortable paying the luxury tax, no matter how much money I had, unless I had a, you know, like title contender team that I was, that I was kind of governing there. So I, I would say, they might become more aggressive in free agency and on the trade market just because of the age of some of their best players, but I don't know if the ownership has anything to do with that. Exactly. That's that's my thoughts as well. You know, the only way again, there's still going to be restrictions, even though they do have 50 million in cap space, they can basically sign players up until that they, they meet that mark of hitting the, the salary cap uh, number there. And so, yeah, you might see them sign. Um, you know, they might be one of the teams that signs like two of the two of the the, the, the best free agents in this class coming up. You know, and and that's going to be that could be a big deal. You know, that the Spurs got these two players again. They're not going to be all star, all NBA level players most likely, but still, you know, the Spurs were signed sign one of the, some of the better players that maybe even high contracts because again, if they want to sign one of these restricted free agents, uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to go over what, what that player is asking for from their own team because those teams can match. So yeah, we might see that. But again, as far as getting becoming a luxury tax team, I just don't see that from this team unless they are competing for a title, unless they're they're right there within, you know, they have that they really have a shot and they have, you know, an all-star two on their team already. I just don't see that this ownership would, you know, would want that to happen. And so again, we might see them make some trades for, for you know, players who make over 30 million salary if, if that's the case or, or, you know, sign players to 20 plus million dollar contracts this offseason only because the situation that they're in. They can basically afford to right now take in big contracts and they can also afford to sign players because of the situation they find themselves in where they're going to have 50 million in cap space. So yeah, I think the, the, the approach though still kind of stays the same. All right, our next question is, um, so this is more so an opinion a question, I guess you could say. I, I, the question is, uh, which players are on the trading block and which are untouchable? Um, what are your thoughts there? So I think, again, boring answer, kind of like it depends mm-hmm. from a couple questions ago, but the answer to which players are on the block would probably be none, and the answer to which are untouchable would also probably be none. I think the closest the Spurs have to a player who's on the block would be DeMar DeRozan in case of a sign-in trade, but he's not even you know under contract mm-hmm. for the team, so it's hard to say he's on the block. You know, I think... None of the players, I think they're actively trying to trade. If I, you know, I don't have any intel at all, but I just there's no reason to, for me to think that any of the young players are trying to go out and make a trade to get rid of them. But also at the same time, if the right deal came around, I don't think they'd be like, oh no, there's no way we can trade this player for superstar X. You know, I, I don't, I don't think there's any player on the block, and I don't think there's any player that they wouldn't be willing to trade for the right deal. Exactly. So my my answer here is just kind of copying copying you there. It's, you know, there's nobody that's untouchable. I think like you know, if there's a there's an all star out there that's like Mark. You know, it's going to really make this team you know leap into the top ten or, to, or I mean not top ten but like top five of uh, becoming a better team. I think that yeah, they would they would probably trade anyone if, if that if that was the case. But again, there's nobody like out there that's that, that's right there and, and, and that's it's available right now at that at the, for for that kind of a trade. And then on, on the block, I just don't see anyone as well. You know, it's just a lot of young players. They're all developing. No one's you know an, an actual all star right now. You know, maybe maybe later on the road, some of them some of those players can be. I think one player who's interesting to watch, not this summer, but 
uh, just depending on his contract situation, is Lonnie Walker because, again, the Spurs can extend him this offseason, and if they don't, well, then that means that he plays next year on this team, and then he becomes a restricted free agent in in, uh, in next summer. So, again, if they maybe think that if they don't sign the extension with Lonnie this offseason, then let's just say that, you know, we start getting to the season for a few months, and Lonnie's kind of just not, not you know, improving as much as from what he was doing last year, well, then maybe they try to move him just because, you know, they, they might lose him over the summer, the, the next offseason. So, again, but right now, I just don't think as of currently this current offseason, I don't see anyone on the block or any anyone um, as untouchable right now all right our, um, our last question for the open-ended questions is um is the plan to stay a 10 seat for this team yeah <laughs> i don't i don't i don't think that that was ever the plan you know I, and i think we have to look at the context of this season you know this is a wild season we're seeing that in the playoffs right now and, and it's very cool to see some fan bases who would never be able to experience the finals being able to experience that you know it looks like it's going to be absolutely going to be Suns and probably Bucks, maybe Hawks. And, and that's kind of cool because those are three yeah. fan bases that haven't been able to experience this level of NBA basketball in, in a long time, if ever. Um, but, you know, looking at the context of the season, you can see it in the playoffs, how injuries have played a part. You know, the Spurs, I think, would have hosted at least one play-in game if it weren't for their COVID bout in the middle of February. You know, that mm-hmm. really derailed their season. I think they were on track for doing much better than the 10th seed. And I think if things hadn't gone haywire the way they did, you know, I think a 7th or 8th seed is not out of the possibility. And, you know, there was even the option for them to kind of even get up to the 6th seed if things went right for them. And and, and that COVID uh, kind of thing happening for them the time that it did and the way that it did and kind of really derailing the second half of their season I think it can't be overstated how much that really affected them I think that this team you know on paper probably looks like a 10 seed to a lot of people but they were not playing like a 10 seed the first half of the season before the COVID stuff hit them so I I don't think they're really a 10 seed now you know I know that the West is always competitive and there's always new teams coming in and changing and all that kind of stuff and the Warriors could be much more competitive next season and we have to see with some of these other teams like the Pelicans but I don't think they were a 10th seed this season I think that they're trying to compete for the playoffs are they a higher level playoff team I don't think so but I think they're that they're trying to get even higher than that now what that looks like this offseason has a lot of different possibilities but but I, I would say that the plan is is no not to be a 10th seed and I don't think that was the plan this year either yeah, I would just say, you know, right now is the makeup of the roster because we don't know what's going to happen with DeRozan or Patty Mills or Rudy Gay or some of their other players. Um, I, you know, right now it looks like, you know, right now they're in the, like, like just with the players that are signed to contracts, it looks like, a, you know, 10 to like 12 seeded team. But it, again, it depends on what happens this offseason. If, if they resign DeRozan, well, then, yeah, maybe they stay right there where they kind of were within like that, that, like you said, like six to 10 ranges where they kind of were before they got, you know, hit with COVID and all the injuries and things like that. Or, um, you know, maybe they make different moves in the offseason, whether that's trading for a different player, but whether that's, um, you know, signing different free agents well then that that i think leaps you up to like maybe like like a six through eight team a little bit more comfortably to say so again it kind of just depends on on what moves they make but i think that at the end of the day they're always going to be at least have it if they continue with this playing game uh the the nba well then i think they're going to have a chance with just the players that they currently have on the roster to be at least be in that playing game range but again i can't say that they're going to be a top five type of team right now just because we haven't seen the players that are going to be on this team all right. Um, now we're going to go to more so some of our research-based questions, where I had to you know dig up some numbers and things like that. So you know, before I ask you these questions, uh, or after I ask you these questions, I'll kind of give us some background on some of these numbers uh, for these questions. All right. Our first question is: um, Does bringing Rudy Gay back make sense? So let's first begin with what, what is Rudy Gay projected to get out in the market this coming off season? According to Profit X, uh, Gay is projected to get. Uh, eight point nine million at low to about eleven point seven million dollars um, at high in salary this current uh, coming off season in free agency. What, what are your thoughts on bringing Rudy Gay back? 
It, it really is just so difficult right now because this off season is like a choose your own adventure that could go like a million different ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's really hard to know exactly what will happen. I, I don't, you know, I know that they probably want to give more playing time to Lucas Omanich, but I, I know that, you know, he, he's not a bad player to have on the roster. I just don't know if, if this is a roster that kind of makes great sense for him. You know, I think if, if he wants to come back and it's at a number that's good for the Spurs, kind of having that bench scorer who can like maybe not like, you know, a superstar defender, but who's kind of becoming more and more willing to play the Spurs system over time. Like, I, I think that can be a valuable player, but is he willing to do that? I, I think I think the Spurs would be okay with keeping him. I think the bigger issue is the other way around, where I don't think that kind of with the way that they're going, that this is the best roster fit for Rudy Gay himself. I think that if he decided that he wanted to move into a different kind of situation, kind of the Wesley Matthews kind of, you know, smaller role on a championship contending team, I think that'd be more than justified. And that kind of seems like the better fit for him at this point. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I just think that for for one, you know, you, I think if you're the Spurs, you got to see what, what Lucas Amadis can do. You know, he's already coming into what his third year now, uh, this coming season or, or fourth, yeah, third, third, uh, yeah, because what is it, third year maybe second? Yeah, I think it's year. the third, third year. Yeah, because uh, okay. Well, anyway, um, so you got to see what Lucas Amadis is because you know he really hasn't had any kind of chance of getting playing time. He wasn't he wasn't able to get playing time like how Devin Vassell was as, as a rookie this current season. He hasn't been able to get that. Yeah, he came with Lonnie. That's right. Okay, so he hasn't been able to get that that kind of playing time like Lonnie either. So because Rudy Gay's kind of been there in, in his spot, and then you know before that the Spurs have had different bigs. You know, Lamar Sauter, they had Yaka Pertle, they had a bunch of bigs, uh, Trey Lyles as well. So so you got to really see what Luca is. You know, because they're going to they're going to come time too on his contract where, where within he's going to be restricted free agent within a few 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 years here. So um so yeah I think that 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 would that would hinder Luca's development just to at least see what he what he becomes as a player if you bring Rudy Gay back. And again I think that with those salary projections Rudy Gay probably does want to look more so to, to see you know where can he go compete for a title and so a lot of those playoff uh, level teams are going to be teams that are over the cap so they're going to have that just basically the the the, the, the mid level exception of like nine million dollars or even the, the the room exception if they're like a luxury tax team. And so that's kind of what projects to be Rudy Gay's uh, you know value out in the free agent market right now. So I, again I think that it's best for him to to move on not only to, to try to chase a championship and get and try to get try to win a title but also for the spurs because they can actually see see what lucas Simonich can turn into so again that's where my my answer is on that one all right our next question is um can the spurs get reggie jackson um i think he's pri- they, they put i think he's primed for being a huge number two or number three or could be a six man of the year winner what would it cost okay so let's first begin with what would it cost to sign reggie jackson who had a really good um postseason with the clippers uh recently so jackson is projected according to profit x to get 11.4 million to about 16 million dollars uh this coming offseason free agency so what are your thoughts Colin on on the Spurs trying to look at adding Reggie Jackson so so can the Spurs get Reggie Jackson the answer is absolutely yes you know they're gonna have the cap space Mm -hmm. to sign him if they want to now is he a good roster fit for this team you know the the person who submitted the question said I think he's primed for a being a huge number two or a number three or it could be like a number one scorer roll off the bench well so my question is okay let's say he's your number two or your number three which i actually think if he's your number two or number three like i I do have concerns about the ceiling of that team but not only that who who's the number one or the number two in these situations and in my head most of the players that come up are also kind of playing the same position he would play too there's kind of a weird mix there i i i think that you know he he did have a great postseason and i think that he's going to have a competitive market to kind of get him away from the clippers this offseason I don't know if he in particular makes a ton of sense on the Spurs. Um, he he had a great like scoring postseason, and I think some of the other kind of like facilitating point guards. If the Spurs were even to sign a point guard, which I don't even know how much sense that makes, I think a more facilitating point guard rather than a scoring point guard kind of makes more sense for the Spurs this offseason. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Again, I just feel like, you know, uh, he, he's already, I just looked up his age real quick. He's, he's 31 right now, so he'll be 32 this coming off season. And again, you kind of want to still see what DeJounte, what Derek White, um, uh, whoever maybe they draft in this current draft, what those players turn into. So again, I, I just don't think that, you know, having Reggie Jackson there, even though, yes, you know, the Spurs could easily, you know, sign him to a contract within that range, 11 to about 16 million uh, for him. But again, I just don't, uh, it just depends again, uh, who, who's going to be the number one, like you mentioned there. So yeah, I just don't think, you know, even though he's a really good player, had a great breakout season, uh, postseason, I just, again, I, I just don't think you still want to see what these younger players can do for you uh if you're the spurs all right and uh, this next question i really like because it's one that's that's really good for the off season here it's uh the, the question is how do the cap holds work why is marco bellinelli still there how do we get rid of the cap holds if we don't sign the players so so i really like this question because i think this is the one that confuses a lot of people especially when, when free agency comes up uh because cap holds are, are you know just a little bit confusing to understand it at first and so, but then once you get the hang of them i think you're going to be fine and seeing why teams keep um pl- uh, players cap holds that are gone like currently like Michael Bellinelli. So, so you know, just referencing this question, you know, the Spurs have multiple cap holds on, on their books right now. They are an over the cap team, uh, and we do know that Marco Bellinelli. He, if you see, you know, if you see a salary sheet for the Spurs, you are going to see that Bellinelli has what's called a seven point six seven point six million dollar cap hold right now. Even though, yeah, he, you, might, you might ask yourself, he's not even on the Spurs. You know, why why is that cap hold there? So, Colin, I guess you, you can try to um, answer this question first, and if you miss anything here, I'll, I'll kind of clean it up. Go ahead and take that one. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, a cap hold is kind of the team's right to sir, uh, to sign a player to kind of a bird type uh, exception so you have several types of birds you have non-bird exception if a team is or if a player has only been under contract for one year with you you have non-bird or no non-bird is for one year early bird is for two and full bird is for three and those are different levels of like how much you can sign a player above their previous contract or just kind of total and go Mm -hmm. over the cap to sign that player well you know what if you had you know, 10 really amazing players under contract, but they all were free agents at the same time you had bird rights on all of them. And you could just say like, Hey, we're going to go out and sign the other five best players in the NBA. Y'all just hold on. We can give you all y'all need with y'all's bird rights and we can go a hundred million dollars over the salary cap, whatever to kind of counteract that competitive imbalance. Players have what's called a cap hold, which is the CBA's kind of best attempt to project what a player would make based on their age and what they made in the previous contract that they had. So those cap holds kind of sit as they, they do act against the cap and they kind of work as um, ways to kind of regulate that so that teams can sign their own free agents with bird rights, but they're not able to use that as a loophole to kind of create these super mega teams. So the reason why Marco Bellinelli has the cap hold is because the Spurs did not need to use cap space last se- last offseason. They did not need to waive his cap hold. And the fact that they still have his cap hold means that if he decided that he didn't want to play overseas anymore, they could sign him using the bird rights that they have on him. I don't know if they have early bird rights or full bird rights on him just based on how long he played. Um, however, because they're going to go so far under and they're going to sign other players, they are certainly going to waive that cap hold. And also, if he were to come back from overseas and signed with another team, they would also lose that cap hold. So so that those are kind of the reasons why a cap hold is there, why it's still there. I think that there are some like situations where teams have been over the cap for like 10 years and they have a player yeah. that's playing overseas right now i think the raptors have a player like that i think nando de for the raptors nando, yes nando yeah. gets tendered a qualifying <laughs> offer every single offseason yeah nando. so so he has that qualifying offer kind of cap full type situation so so that that can happen if if a team is like a really good competitive team so they play overseas for a long time and the team is just over the cap those cap holds can stay for kind of ever. But um, in this situation with the Spurs going back under the cap and them using cap space this offseason, they're probably going to waive that cap hold pretty quickly. 
Yeah. So, so again, you know, Colin answered that perfectly right there. And, and I'll just say, you know, again, Marco's not ma- making 7.6 million with the Spurs. All that is, is, it's his cap hold. So in the event he wants to come back to the team later on in the future, uh, you know, they could, they could use that to sign up to, to an amount up to that amount, either 7.6 million or less. Well, again, we don't think Bellinelli is going to come back, but again, at least, at least it keeps the Spurs over the cap. Uh, so they have access. Again, the, the thing that rewards you for staying over the cap, the reason why you want to keep these is because you get more, unless you're, you're, unless you're opening up at least $10 million in cap space, right? You, you you don't you don't want to you don't want to release those cap holds because if you stay over the cap, well then um, that's going to at least give you access to what's called a non-tax mid-level exception. So again, you have to be over the cap by a certain amount in order to to, be, to have access to that. If not, if you're less, if you have like let's say ten million, uh, like let's say you have like eight million in room, uh, which is salary cap space, well then that's not a good thing because then you get you get an exception that's worth less called the, the room exception, which is about five million dollars. So again, it, it incentivizes the teams to stay over the cap if they're not crossing more than ten million in cap space. So again, it doesn't hurt the team. And I'll just say this, you know the, the the team is not paying like the, the ownership should i say they're not paying for a t- you know when they're over the cap and they have bellinelli's cap holder they're not paying you know bellinelli it doesn't accrue to their actual salary that they're actually paying uh for, for the roster so again it's just there more so as a placeholder to resign your free agents and keep you over the cap and a great example of a team like this why, why this is so impactful uh, is like the oklahoma city thunder right we know that they're not a that they're not a championship level team they're a rebuilding team right now if they were to re- if they were to get rid of all their cap holds and and their trade exceptions which is also a ver- version of a cap hold they would actually be a room team with like almost like 50 million dollars in Cap space, but why would you want to have fifty million if you're OKC? Unless you're going to sign, you know, unless you're signing someone, which we know no 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 um, star players are going to go over there because they're a rebuilding team right now. So again, there's a reason why teams keep those cap holds. And, and like Colin mentioned, you're going to see this word thrown out a lot this summer for the Spurs. It's going to be called renounce. So when you hear the, the Spurs renounce Marco Bellinelli's cap hold, the Spurs renounce this player's cap hold. Um, that means that now, if you once you renounce a cap hold, you cannot get it back. That's it. You're, you're basically telling the NBA, no, we're done with that player. We're not going to try to sign it back in the future at any moment. And so what that's going to do is it's going to open up your cap space. So so again, if the Spurs do want to operate as a team with $50 million in cap space this summer, we're going to see that word thrown around a lot where, where the player was renounced again. So, so again, uh, yeah, so, so you know, I'm, I'm really glad that that question came up because that's a really good question for the offseason, especially here um, when free agency begins on, on August 2nd, because we're going to see words like, you know, cap holds and, and they renounce this player or, you know, or they signed this player bird rights. So, Colin, you know, you answered that well. And then, you know, I, I give some, some more background there. So, yeah, yeah thank you again to, uh, uh, for, for that person that sent that question because that was a really good question. Very informative. All right. Our next question. Um, this is a two parter in this question. The, the, the question is, which of the following would be a better use of the cap space? Number one, trading Lonnie Walker, the fourth and number 12 for Kevin Love and number three or number two, trading DeMar DeRozan via sign and trade for Kirsteps Porzingis. And then I also attached another question because this keeps coming up, this Porzingis question. Um, trading DeMar DeRozan for Kirsteps Porzingis makes sense or not? So, Colin, let's first focus on the first question here. Um, what do you think about trading Lonnie Walker and number 12 for Kevin Love and number three to Cleveland? So I out of, out of the two trades, I actually think I would rather prefer that one, not because I'm a huge Kevin Love fan and I think that he's – you know, pretty clearly a negative contract at this point. But I, I've, you know, everything I've heard, and I know that we have draft experts here at Project Spurs that would know kind of the depth of this way better than I do. But everything I've heard is that this is a five-player draft, and in that spot, one through five is where you get that player who could become best player on a championship team for you in basically any given draft. It, it especially three. I think, you know, people have done studies on this, and like. You know, one has the highest chance of developing that kind of championship contending number one player and the number two has lesser and the number three has lesser and kind of as you go, it really starts to fall off. Mm -hmm. And so that number three spot really is going to be the best chance that the Spurs got. And, you know, I know that um, Lonnie has developed quite a bit with the Spurs and he's still kind of a developing player. But to me, 
the value of getting the number three pick, even if you're taking on a bad contract for now, I just I just think that's so so worth that trade. Um, I I don't. So the the sign in trade for Kristaps Porzingis. Kristaps Porzingis is an interesting fit on the Spurs. His best offensive and defensive position is center and. He's not probably going to be starting as center with Jakob Pertl on the roster. And then is he finishing every game? Is Jakob Pertl never closing it? It's just such an interesting fit to me, which I know kind of is answering that second question. But I just, you know, I don't think Kristaps Porzingis would be a bad player on the Spurs roster. However, I just don't think he is quite as clean of a fit as, as I think people think when the when a lot of people think, oh, the Spurs need another big, which again, I'm not quite sure if I agree with that. But I don't know if Kristaps Porzingis is is the player that makes a ton of sense on the Spurs roster. Okay, so I, on that first question, I mean, about you know Lonnie and the twelfth pick for Kevin Love number three. Do you even think Cleveland would do that? I would say no, right? If you're Cleveland, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I think that's why I'm so excited about it. Is like, yeah, yeah. If I'm I would Spurs say yes, and I get yeah. that call. Yeah, like I'm exactly. saying, yeah, absolutely, exactly. Just okay, do that. okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure you agree with me. Yeah. So, yeah. so first of all, you know, I, I would actually take that deal as well if, if I was a GM. But again, I just don't think you know that Cleveland would 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 just take Lonnie and, and number twelve for for the number three pick. And you're right, you know, Love does have two years left on his deal, thirty one million this coming season, and then twenty eight point nine uh, the following season. But again, I just uh, even though yes, I would want that trade better just because you get a chance like the number three pick, like Colin said, you know, you want to get what the top five pick if you really want to start trying to find a star there that's going to develop into a star later on in the future but again i just don't think cleveland would do that that trade um at this moment um the second question it, again it's it's an interesting one so so let me just get some some background here on how, how the porzingis and, and derozan trade will work so yes the spurs would have to um sign and trade derozan to dallas to, to make this work uh and we know that you know porzingis does make um 31.6 million this this coming season uh yeah this coming season he also has a five percent trade kicker and he also has two more years left on his deal um derozan is projected to get in that area so, so that range, according to um, uh, Profit X, is DeRozan pro- is projected to get twenty five point eight to about thirty four point nine million this off season, uh, and so yeah, you you could you could, you could see the Spurs and Mavs maybe working out a sign and trade. However, you know, should the Spurs get Porzingis? Um, here's something that, to note from pro- Profit X. Um, you know, if let's just say per- Porzingis was entering free agency uh, um, this coming. Um, uh, yeah, I mean ne- next off season. Well, he would only earn about eighteen point nine million based on on, on what he's the, the performance that he's getting. You know, again, he got signed to a max with Dallas, but again, he's not living up to that max. Part of that is because he's playing a more diminished role because he's he's alongside Lucas uh, Luka Doncic, that I say. But again, it, I just don't know if if you want to if you're for the Spurs if if you want to make it would only be if the Spurs were going to try to see is there there a Oscar level Por- Porzingis uh, there uh, with Chris S. Porzingis if we traded for him if if there if there, was, if there wasn't a player who wasn't going to progress that much even as a number one option i just don't think they should they, sh- they should do that kind of move and, and again you just i don't even think about the, the fit part where yes he probably started the four but you know he's really better at a five but then the spurs have yakuperto was playing really well as a five as well so I, I really just even though yes it's it's interesting on adding Porzingis because he, he still, you know, he still hasn't hasn't quite hit his prime either. Um, you, you know, uh, I just don't know again because the fit and also just because he hasn't been living up to that contract and, and performing. But again, if if the Spurs were to make any kind of sign and trade for for Porzingis with, with um, DeRozan involved, it would be because they, they're they're banking on on they're hoping that 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 Porzingis can can really become you know that All Star level player that that that, that the um, the Mavericks had hoped that the Knicks had hoped that he would become. But again, right now, just based on what he's been doing these 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 last two seasons, it doesn't look like that player's uh, quite there right now. So, yeah, that's an interesting question. 
Um, all right. Our next question is, um, who can take over the offensive load if DeMar DeRozan leaves this summer? And uh, just give you some background, um, you know, in terms of usage from last season, it was DeRozan number one, of course, like we mentioned. Uh, then it was DeJounte Murray, Derek White, uh, Lonnie Walker IV, Keldon Johnson, Lucas Simonich, Trey Jones, Drew Eubanks, Devin Vassell, and Jakob Perdona. And I only listed Spurs who are right now on contract. I didn't list like Patty Mills and Rudy Gay in there. So, so Colin, what do you think about if, if – you kind of answered this earlier with your – saying that they need to look for a playmaker, but what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that question? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was going with this too is, you know, I think they have some players who kind of with different scoring abilities can maybe replace the individual scoring load. But I think, you know, to me, I just look at Murray and White and I see them as like really good secondary playmakers, but maybe kind of like average or maybe a little bit below average primary playmakers. And I, I don't think that they have anyone on the roster right now who can take that load. I think there are players who can cover the scoring load just fine, but the, the playmaking load, I think that would be ju- just a giant hole on this roster if they don't address it in the offseason and Drozen leaves, which kind of going back to the Christoph Porzingis thing, you're not really addressing that with that trade. And I think that you'd really need to address that in the offseason. Um, so I, 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 I think that, you know, Murray and White, and Lonnie and Keldon all can can kind of replace the scoring. Um, and then kind of the younger players like Luca and Jones developing and Vassell developing kind of more and more and more. Um, and then I think, you know, <laughs> it seems like every season we get a quote from Pop about how he feels like Jakob Pertl should be the scoring champion in the NBA or something. He, he Every season he kind of throws one out there that's just like, oh, Pertl could be scoring a lot more if he wanted to. <laughs> um, and so, so I think that there are players who could be scoring more and kind of replace that scoring load, but the distribution load, the playmaking for others, I just, I don't see that on this roster right now. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm with you. I just feel like, you know, if DeRozan leaves, well, then it's going to be really tough for them. They're going to have to share the score with the young guys. I think the primary guy who, who would become that, that playmaker toward the, you know, the last five minutes of a close game is going to be Derek White, just because it kind of, that's, that's been the player aside from DeRozan, who's historically done that for this team. But again, I, you know, doing that the whole season, I just don't know, you know, exactly, you know, I, I really feel like a, a team would scheme well against, against these players. So again, it's be interesting to watch exactly who, who they add to this team with, whether it's through free agency or through a trade, uh, if DeRozan again decides to leave. So this is a really good question you know especially with you know who, who would be the the, the who is, who's going to carry this team uh and become that number one playmaker if, if DeRozan does leave all right our last question and, and this is a pretty good one too is uh, thoughts on Ben Simmons so again when you just hear some of the stuff about Ben Simmons on paper um you know it's like wow like this is like the, the, the chance if the Spurs were to trade for him you know Spurs to get a, a top five not a top five but you know a top 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 NBA um all-star at the, at the current moment but then of course we go back to the tape of what just happened recently a few weeks ago when Philly got knocked out of the playoffs we saw that you know when it comes to crunch time in the playoffs you know it's really Really tough for for a team to have him on the floor because he just completely won't shoot. He's, he he struggles at the free throw line. You know, just basically just like it's like four on five on offense uh, when it comes down to, to, to the best moments. Of, I mean, the most the most critical moments of a season. So let's go through some background on Simmons. Um, we know that he's earning thirty three million this coming season. Then he's also on his um you know on his on his max deal. So he's going to earn three. Th- um, he's going to be guaranteed for contract for the next three seasons. So you get him for about four seasons here. He is a current three time All Star. He's a two time All Defense first teamer. He's also a one time All 
NBA player. So again, on paper, this dude has like, you know, he's one of the, the best players if the Spurs were trying to trade for that, that, that they could get who's, who's reached all these, these kind of criteria. Um, we know that, you know, he's going to be 25 this month. So he's still, he's still very young. Uh, he, he averaged 14 points last year, seven rebounds, six, uh, about seven assists, uh, 1.6 steals, three turnovers. He's, he's, he's really good at getting to the paint, creating for others. Um, and, and also getting to the free throw line. And then he's also an elite defender. Um, as we know, you know, of course, shooting is his big, big, biggest weakness, both on the floor and also at the free throw line. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on, on the Spurs looking at getting Ben Simmons? I, I think he would be a great fit for the Spurs, especially if DeMar DeRozan leaves. So I was kind of doing like a little bit of a compare and contrast of DeMar DeRozan and Ben Simmons in my head. Both of them have that ability to playmake for others. I think that he absolutely could be that primary playmaker that I'm talking about. You know, him creating his own shot in the same way that DeMar DeRozan can, obviously DeRozan is much better at that. However, he's also an amazing perimeter defender and can even defend bigs as well, which is something yep. that DeRozan doesn't have. So so there's kind of trade-offs to both. Um, and the Spurs do have other players on, on the roster who can kind of, kind of get to their shots when they need to. So I, I think the ability to get like a high-level perimeter defender who can also defend at other positions, plus kind of making up that primary kind of playmaker role i think that is just so good for this team i think that he could start like what we talked about with Porzingis, except it just makes way more sense to me where he starts at the four and if the other team goes small he can all of a sudden be your small ball center and you don't have like in in philadelphia right now if you do that all of a sudden you're taking out your mvp candidate from the game but in san antonio if you do that it just makes so much more sense and i think that that if you could surround him with four players who are capable spot up shooters and he's the center i think that that could be like a really good offensive team too especially if those other players are defenders um so i think i think he could potentially be a great fit on the spurs now what they would really need to do in free agency is to like sign every shooter who would even answer the phone just because <laughs> yeah. i think that their shooting is kind of so i mean like at that point i think you do consider bringing back patty mills just because you need just a ton of shooting to make that work on the roster but I think that if they can get that shooting in free agency i actually think they could make this work better than the 76ers have so, so I, I would actually say yes to just because again, um, you know, he's basically that foundational piece that you can start building a team around. You know, we go back to that first question of, you know, did the Spurs need like a traditional point guard or whatever, wherever it was? It's like at least you found out who your best player is, and you know, as I said, he's a current All Star right now, three time All Star. He's an All Level defender, uh, defender as well. Um, you know, two time defensive play. Uh, uh, yeah, def- all, all defender team. So again, he would be the he would at least be your foundation. So from there, you can start building around him. And like you mentioned, Colin, you start looking for three point shooting and all these different areas. So at least he's your starting point. Because again, right now with the current team they have, they don't exactly know who who's their their best player right now and and who's going to turn into an all star one day if they, if any of those players can. And right now, based on the uh, on what these players have done, it doesn't look like it just right now. So again, at least you have a player who you're starting off with, and you can start building around him, building a roster around him, and then you can start you know from from that point on building a team around him, and then also looking for his number two. Down the, down the line so again now that here's the tricky part though you know how would this even happen i just don't for from my perspective unless philly was wanted to rosen i just don't see any other anybody else that they would say yes to uh uh for a deal now here's the reason why so who would philly want is the question um you know there was a report on friday just just today that you and i are recording this on friday that um that, that apparently the sixers turned down a call from the um, indiana pacers where they were offering um, a first round pick and malcolm brogdon for simmons uh and then i, I know that, that there's also reporting that philly wants at least an all-star level player in return for Ben Simmons if they were to try to trade him. So that's the question. Do the Spurs even have the player to trade for him? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think if the Spurs do make a trade for Simmons, I think that Spurs fans will be upset because I think that the trade they would have to make is going to look like an like 
they gave up too much. Like, I think that's the mm. only way they could bring Simmons in. Um, and now if I'm the Spurs front office, the one young player I would be really hesitant to lose in a Simmons deal because I think he'd fit well with Simmons is Devin Vassell. And the number one player I would want if I was the 76ers front office in terms of all their young players, in terms of someone who would fit really well with Joel Embiid is Devin Vassell. So I think that's a really hard question you have to ask yourself is, would you be willing to give up Devin Vassell in this trade? Because then you need even more shooting and free agency. I think... You know, if they are interested in DeMar DeRozan, maybe a sign-in trade with DeMar DeRozan, Devin Vassell, and then draft capital. And at, at that point, Spurs fans are probably like, whoa, that's way too much for this player. And that might not even be enough for the 76ers. So that it, it would have to be an overpay to get it done. I think there are probably paths for the Spurs to do it, but it's going to look like it, it is going to cost a ton for them to do it. Yeah, I would just say, you know, if, if they if they didn't want DeRozan, well, that makes it even, even tougher. And so I, I just feel like, yes, Devin was one of the players I think they would want. Uh, maybe even um, DeJounte to bring back some defense since you're losing an all-level defender with, with Ben Simmons. What DeJounte, we know, is, is one of the better defenders in this league, especially that he was uh, he was, uh, he was a second-team all-defender uh, just a few years ago. Even someone like, um, they might even want someone like Derek White just because of just because of the playmaking that White brings. Sure, he's not an all-star, but at least, you know, he's, he's one of those players who can play in the half-court, can shoot, can play good defense. So I really, again, I, I just don't know if, if they even, if that's even enough for the for the. Sixers, you know, if, if that, that those are the players, because again, we saw that they already turned down um, the Brogdon in the first deal, and plus, again, they're saying that they want to, um, you know, they want at least an All Star level player in return. And so, I know that we've seen um, from the Portland side, we've seen the uh, the CJ McCollum rumors in there as well that maybe the Sixers should trade Simmons for McCollum, and we know McCollum's a way way more high level scorer compared to a lot of the Spurs guards uh, that, we're, that we're talking about here. So, again, I think it's interesting if if the Spurs could figure out a way to get to get Simmons, I would say yes, because again, I think that he he brings you he's that foundational piece that you can start building a team around, whereas right now you know there's a lot of developing young players but there's not quite that 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 all-star on this team and this is your, this is your chance right now to get a young all-star a player who's still again only going to be 25 uh this current month so so colin even though this wasn't kind of on our on our, on our list here i have a question for you now because you've mm-hmm. you kind of changed my approach here with some of your comments today so i've been targeting in free agency for the spurs i've been looking at a lot of you know outside shooters or um you know you know defensive uh, players as a big now you've been telling me a lot about playmakers that throws <laughs> and leaves so i know that simmons is the player that that's the most obvious because again he's kind of he might he might be available right now and, he, and he's young and things like that but who are some uh, do you have any other players in mind that, that maybe you've been thinking about if, if DeRozan leaves for, for to become like that playmaker for this team oh man so I have a couple of answers that do not sound very appealing because they are like way on the wrong side of the age curve and outside of that it's just hard to find it because it's kind of a shallow free agent class yeah exactly um, mm-hmm. I, I think if like like if I were these players I would not want to come to the Spurs and they are way older than the Spurs' young core, so they are not good fits in that capacity. Okay. However, your Lowry's and your Mike Conley's make mm-hmm. a lot of sense from a culture perspective and that playmaking perspective. Um, you know, and, and if the Spurs <laughs> kind of double down on re-signing DeRozan and could somehow bring Lowry in, you kind of get those two together again, and and you're probably trying way too hard to be competitive now at the at the expensive youth but i so it, it's hard in this in this offseason um and i actually think that makes it maybe more likely for derozan to come back even if it's just maybe like a one a one plus one you know yeah mm-hmm. um because it, it this free agent class was looking to be awesome and then all of the extensions happened last offseason and i think that might be kind of you know ushering in a new era of nba kind of contracts are these extensions becoming way more popular so i think you know even future off-season classes that look good like oh 2022 could be an awesome well it might not be by the time october you know 31st rolls around so i i think there aren't really all that many great options out there and so my idea then you know and i really need to sit down and look at exactly all who's available but 
kind of players who fit this team. It would be re-sign DeMar DeRozan. Now you have that primary score, score and then turn your focus to uh, three-point shooters and defenders. Because if he leaves, then you do have that hole, and I'm not quite sure how you make that up. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been there, down that road, too. It's like if he if he leaves, who are the all-star level players or, or you know, those really good players like, like Lowry, Conley, Kawhi Leonard? Of course, we know he's not coming. So, for in my opinion, I just don't think that any of those players, like you mentioned, they, they would want to come to San Antonio because, you know, they're not quite – They're all those players are looking to try to win a ring at this point, um, mm-hmm. and, and they're not wanting to come to a young team. So, so yeah, I really feel like, man, it's going to be tough for them because, yeah, because, like, if DeRozan does leave, that's their best chance of getting, I think, a playmaker, unless they can trade for someone. That's the reason why I think Ben Simmons is so intriguing because, you know, he right now it's, he's in a situation where they might look at moving him, you know. And so, again, you know, I think that the Spurs, I think that if, if, if he's available, I really feel like San Antonio's, yeah, for sure, they're going to try to call Philly and see what, see what they can do because I feel like that's the best player right now if you want a playmaker. Now, now let's just say DeRozan leaves. I mean, and then I, I just, I mean, my mindset has still been that they're just going to kind of sign, kind of fill in some holes, what, like we mentioned, three-point shooters and maybe the defenders. But again, I, I just, I really feel like next season's going to be a tough season because they might just want to see what these young players can grow into DeJounte Murray uh, Derek White some of these other players and Lonnie Walker as well so again I think this is a really interesting offseason because of the situation so again I think you're right Colin that if we see that yes they, they either work on extension with DeRozan before free agency or they just resign him in free agency well then yeah that's that's a really big hint that that they probably didn't see anybody else out there that could that could match his playmaking and they were really going to suffer without him being on the team so I think that's something to really um, interesting to watch Okay, cool. So, yeah, so that was a thank you again for, to all of you who, who sent in those questions. Those were really good, just kind of to see, see where everyone's mindset, mindset is at in this offseason. And, and again, like we see some, some players that the fans want to know about. You know, Chris Depps Porzingis is somebody to watch, um, um, and Ben Simmons as well. So, that's something to watch. Don't forget to uh, visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, you know, Benjamin Bornstein's getting you ready for the draft that's coming up this month on uh, July 29th. Uh, with his latest San Antonio Spurs prospect watch is over Jericho Sims. Again, that's by Ben. It, he, he, he writes those every week. Uh, we also have the, um, I, I've been writing these pieces on the Spurs for agents. So our, my first one is on um, DeMar DeRozan. Next week, I'll have one on Rudy Gay. And then, you know, every week I'll be adding a new player. So then Patty Mills, Trey Lyles, et cetera. Uh, then I, we also have the 2021 uh, Project Spurs draft, uh, draft Prospects Board. So make sure you check that out. That's being updated every week uh, to see the latest on, on you know, where, where players are projected to go in the draft for the Spurs at 12 and 41. Thanks again to Colin for joining me here on the Spurs cast and to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at Project Spurs. Stay safe and have a great day.